0: Amen. All right, welcome to Alpine Church on Easter Sunday. My name is Eric. I am the lead pastor here at our Riverdale location. I am glad to be here with you guys today. If you didn't know, I'm like a huge ex- extrovert, and so the more people in the room, like the more energy I get. So I may jump off the stage at some point in time. And I've also had three cups of coffee, and so I'm going to try to try to. Tone it down a little bit for you today, but I am excited. We we ought to be excited about Easter Sunday. It's the biggest Sunday of the year, biggest holiday for Christians. Why? Because our faith is rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that is why so many of you are here today to to hear from Him, to know about Him. Maybe you're maybe you're here and you're you're just curious and you want to know. Well. Here at Alpine Church, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God. It is translated correctly, and it was written down not just by men, but by the Holy Spirit through men. And it's an amazing book. It has uh, 66 books in this, written by 40 different authors, over a time span of 1,500 years on three continents. I mean, this, this is, it tells this amazing cohesive, congruent story which all leads to who is Jesus Christ. That's what this book is all about and, and so uh, over in, in, in the year 2023, we've been walking through this book called Mark which is in the New Testament. This is an eyewitness account of Jesus' life and it tells about his life, death, and resurrection and we've been walking through it verse by verse, section by section, and chapter by chapter. And today, uh, we are going to stick with the theme of of the book of Mark. And we're going to look at a story of of when Jesus was hanging on the cross. What was was something that happened? What was the significant thing that happened on the cross? We're going to look at the symbolism of it. We're going to look at the importance of what actually happened. We're going to look at prophecy being fulfilled. So we're going to skip forward. Please come back next week because as we resume chapter 4 to continue in the life of Jesus. That's our prayer. That's my prayer is that you keep coming back to learn more and more about who Jesus is and what he came to do. But before we actually get to the book of Mark and our verse for the day, I want to talk about something in the Old Testament. Now the Old Testament is something that was written you know, thousands of years ago, and, and in fact, uh, the Psalms, you've maybe heard of the Psalms, that was written a thousand years before Jesus ever stepped on the earth. And, but one of the prophecies we're going to look at is in the book of Isaiah. That was written over 700 years before Jesus ever stepped on the earth. Now, I'm not just making this up, by the way. We have evidence for this. The Bible itself proves it to be true because... There are prophecies in it that actually happen and are fulfilled. And yet, as I said before, it was written over a, a period of time. And so the New Testament wasn't, wasn't written until, you know, the last, the last, uh, the last portion of this book. But, but the earlier 1500 years of this book was, was compiling this story about a chosen nation called Israel. God chose this nation through one man to bring about one man eventually, Jesus Christ. But, but the nation of Israel was to represent God on the earth and, and were to make his name known and to follow him. And they were to, to be his people and he was their God. And that's a lot about what the Old Testament is. And in the book of Isaiah, which by the way, we have manuscript evidence... Meaning, if you've ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, we have all these different scrolls from some of these books in the Bible that a- have actually been carbon dated through science, and one of them is the the Scroll of Isaiah, and we have a copy that is dated to about 200 years BC, and so there are a lot of prophecies about Jesus in the Book of Isaiah, and then, and then. They are fulfilled when Jesus comes. We have historical evidence that Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago and, and caused the world to be turned upside down. I mean, if you think about our calendar even now, uh, it's, it's affected by holidays, right? Holy days, the, the days of Christmas and Easter, and, and even why we're in the year 2023. Why are we in this year? Because we marked out the calendar starting at Jesus' birth. Now, I know that. Secular society is trying to change the calendar, and has, but it's always going to be B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, which means, you know, the year of our Lord, or after Christ was born. And so, that that is what we have as far as evidence and proof. We've, there's so much more to talk about. Please keep coming back about why we believe the Bible to be true. But the book of Isaiah, let me give you a little bit of background on this verse that we're going to read. A prophecy about something that happened on the cross. Well, the nation of Israel had seen God work so much in their lives. Like he, he had, had, had come down and, and made his presence known. And he delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And he, he guided them by by fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the day and even when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the 10 commandments they could see God and hear God his glory his presence the the there was thundering and and rumbling of the mountains and and God had had so many times delivered them from their enemies but in the book of Isaiah they had sinned so much they have they had turned their backs on God so much, the nation of Israel, worshiping and following after other gods, sinning, let me tell you what sin is, by the way, a definition for sin is trusting and acting in your own ideas and opinions rather than on God's truth. So anytime we we act and and move and decisions that we make, if they are opposed to the word of God, if they don't line up with God's word and what he's already said, then that is sin. When simply when we just don't trust God and but we trust ourselves and we go our own way. That's what the nation of Israel was doing and as a result of that God had hid himself from them. He he wasn't known by them like in earlier years and earlier centuries. And so what happens is, is that they're, they're being taken into exile by this country named Babylon. They'd come and taken over the nation of Israel. And God is allowing that because of their sin. There's consequences to their sin. And, and they're at this point where they're like, save us, God. Send this Savior. Send this Messiah. And that's what Isaiah is famous for, by the way. is talking a lot about this, the Messiah that God was going to send. So let me show you this verse, just two verses in chapter 64. This is like a prayer from the prophet. It said, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. You see, the nation of Israel once walked with God in, in glory, and and yes, always in rebellion, struggling, but yet, God had marked them out above all the other nations of the earth. Why? Because they had the one true God that they followed. The the creator of the universe was looking after a people like they were his own children. But yet God was allowing some consequences in their lives. So they were hoping for this Messiah to come, to come and set things right, to deliver them from their captives like God had done before, would you do it again? Would you quit hiding, God? Would you come out from from behind the veil? Would you tear open heaven? Would you tear open a hole in the universe and come through the invisible heavens and come to be visible for us? That's what they're crying out for. They're crying out for a revival. Things have gotten mundane and we've lost Our our way and our sight, and we've we've lost all the the glory of God and the presence of God. That is where they're at in this situation, and they're asking, Would you would you rend the heavens and come down? So I want to ask you a few questions. How do you see Jesus? What are you longing for from God? What do you hope that God is going to do for you? If you put yourself in this situation, because I think we're a lot like the nation of Israel. As a people, individually, we've sinned against God, and, and he's, as a result, His, his presence is, is foggy to us. We don't see Him moving all the time. We look out at our, our world and the nation, and, and it's broken, and there's sin out there, and evil is going on, and... And, and, and so may, maybe many of you have come and you're, you're here curious, like, does God really exist? If so, would you rend the heavens and show yourself, reveal yourself to us, do something about our enemies, do something about the evil in the world? I think about, you know, some of the things that's recently happened, even in our own country, you know, the thing, the tragedy at the Christian school in, in Nashville, the The kids being killed and the teachers. You know, the shootings. And it's, I'm sure we're all asking these questions like, God, if you're real, why? When are you going to do something about this? When are you going to do something? When are you going to come down? When are you going to come deliver me from my own physical ailments? When are you going to deliver me from the pain and sorrow that I deal with? My depression. When are you going to deliver me from this evil world? What are you hoping from Jesus? Are you hoping for a deliverer? Or have you come here today, you know, as, as maybe a religious ritual? Something that you do. Every, every big holiday, Christmas and Easter, you come, and, and, you know, maybe you got drug here today. You know, the only drugs I'm good with, by the way, are being drugged to church, right? So if you were drugged to church today that's a good thing. We're, we're glad that you are here today with us. Doesn't matter how, how you got here. What matters is how you leave, what you hear, and what you do with Jesus. And we're in good company because for, for centuries, for millennia, people have misunderstood what am I supposed to do with Jesus? Who was he? How important is he? Should I follow after him? Should I lay down my life, take up my cross, and, and follow him and do the things that he said? Or, you know, many people just add him as an accessory to their lives. And like a spiritual trinket, you know, I better, you know, I, I believe in all this other stuff. I better add Jesus too so that I can get some blessing in my life. Or maybe a lot of people think that Jesus has come to only save us from our physical ailments and our struggles here in this life. People didn't understand him, but Mark has been trying to help us understand as we go through these eyewitness accounts, who is Jesus? And what do you ultimately need from him? And so Jesus fulfills that prophecy of rending the heavens by coming down. By coming down to this earth. And that's Christmas. He was born of a virgin. He come uh, in the human flesh. That's called the incarnation. And he grew up and he started his ministry. And And then Mark tells us something very important we should look at. Just right when Jesus starts his ministry, something happens at his baptism. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice come from heaven you are my my beloved son with you i am well pleased you know that word to rend the heavens also means to tear to to pull back the curtain to reveal and what is god doing here what is mark trying to tell us right at when jesus starts his ministry in chapter 1 of the book of mark it says That God tore open the heavens, he rendered the heavens, and what happens? The Spirit comes down on Jesus Christ as he's being baptized. Now there's a lot here to be said about who God is and the nature of God, that he exists as Trinity three in one, God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? There's a lot to be said, and there's a lot in the Bible about that. I pray you continue to pursue God and figure out who he is. What you believe about who God is is the most important thing about you. I hope you understand that today. But what Mark is trying to show us is that God is, in a sense, rending the heavens. And he is coming down. And as a matter of fact, he came down in human flesh. That is Jesus. Fulfilling prophecies. Fulfilling the Isaiah prophecy. Fulfilling other prophecies that are going to happen. Who is this Jesus, even Mark in the first verse says, this is the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the, the Son of God. Now the problem is, is that even though God is revealing himself, he's rented the heavens already, and he's rent the heavens already and he's come down, people don't really see it. Like it's, And it's the same today. 2,000 years later, it's the same today. I was thinking about this earlier, like, you know, in a 15-mile radius of this church, there are over 200,000 people. But if people really understood who Jesus is, don't you think our churches would be filled up a lot more than it is? You know, we're we're blessed. We're one of the bigger churches in the area, about 500 people that come to this location. But yet, out of 200,000 people, something's got to be wrong. There's got to be this big misunderstanding about who Jesus is. And the same is true. Same is true for them 2,000 years ago, because they were hoping for something different. And when people look at God, they want something different, they don't want to just trust Him at His word and what He said. They want to operate under their own opinions, ideas, and feelings, right? Like what I said sin is. And so when you think about God, when people think about God, when the secular world thinks about who God should be, they come up with their own ideas about who God is. And they don't like it. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus in his earthly ministry. They had ideas about who God is and what he should do for them, but because it didn't happen that way, they rejected him. Jesus comes. I'll just recap a little bit about what's happened in, in just the first three chapters of the book of Mark. He came and he preached good news, so he didn't come to bring down fire from heaven and to take care of the adversaries like they were hoping, deliver them uh, physically from from Rome or from Babylon. He invited scum to follow him. He invited the 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 ra- this ragtag bunch of misfits that if you were going to start some kind of major uh, world-changing movement you would probably not pick the guys that Jesus picked and that's what the religious leaders of the day they were saying the same thing like how are you going to how are you going to hang out with these tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and and fishermen and no offense to fishermen by the way i mean but you're a little stinky, right? No. That's, I mean, but no, they were the lower class men. They did it for a living, not just as a hobby. They did it for a living. And they were the lower class members of society, right? And and even the tax collectors, I'm sorry, like no offense to the IRS people who work here today, they, these people were corrupt. You know, they were they were, you know, extortionists and traitors against their own nation, and so These were sinners, enemies, enemies of the nation. And yet Jesus, who's God in the flesh, the Messiah, who they're supposed to be waiting for, comes and does things a different way than what they wanted and what they expected. He heals a leper by touching him. You, You weren't supposed to touch unclean people. He forgave a paralytic. A guy was paralyzed and his friend his his group of friends said, we got to get him to this guy. He's a miracle worker. And, and they bring him to him and, and he's paralyzed. And what is the first thing Jesus does? He doesn't heal him. He says, your sins are forgiven. And, you know, it doesn't say exactly how they responded, but, but the religious leaders responded angrily. Like, who is this guy? He can forgive sins. But later, Jesus did heal his physical impairment as well. But, but it shows us that God cared more about spiritual or spiritual condition rather than physical condition he challenged judaism he challenged what it become he challenged religion and legalism people wanted to to uh, hoard access to god people wanted to be be the gatekeepers to god that is what religion is and that still exists today So many religions have taken it above and beyond the Bible and have gotten it wrong. And he fought against that. He fought against evil, spiritual evil, casting out demons. And then, it's interesting, his own disciples didn't even understand him that well because even Peter, his closest disciple, the leader of them, rebukes Jesus for Jesus telling them, here's why I came. Here's what really needs to happen. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. Did you know that men and women love to twist the scriptures to get it to fit their mold about who they think God should be? And that is why we have all these different religions out there. That is why we have so many people arguing and so many many people even rejecting. I'm sure people, the world probably looks at even Christianity and all of its, different arguments, all the, all the, I will say, the, the churches that claim to be Christian, and they, they probably think, well, they can't even get it right. Why would I believe? But just because a bunch of people sin doesn't mean that, that this book isn't true, right? And so, Jesus rebukes Peter for thinking worldly things. Because Ultimately, we don't like the message of Jesus. The world does not like the message of Jesus. They are offended by Jesus and his message that he had to die and rise again. Some people think it's crazy. I'm sure Peter's like, whoa, don't be saying some weird things like that, man. Like, if you want to reach people, we got to make them feel really comfortable, right? Like, I think there's a lot, and, and there's a lot of churches that, you know, on Easter Sunday, right? Like, they'll be like, hey, Let's get him in the door, not say anything hard. Let's not talk about sin. Let's not really talk about Jesus' death. Let's just talk about how he was a good person and he wants to to take care of all your physical needs. Why? Because that is what people want to hear. People want to hear that. But that is not the message, ultimately, of the Bible. The message is, is that the suffering servant came to die because You and I have sinned against a holy God. We have gone our own way. And as a result, we are separated from God. He is hidden from us. And only then through the cry and the prayer, God, would you rend the heavens and come down. Would you reveal yourself? Would you come to save me, not from my circumstances, but from my sin? Would you save me from my sin? I know I go my own way. I know I'm stubborn. That is me, by the way. Don't feel bad about yourselves here today if I keep using the word sin. We're all sinners here today. I have been this man, Peter, you know, not really getting who Jesus is. Maybe you're here today. You don't really get it. You're still trying to figure it out. I, I, again, I encourage you to keep listening. Keep trying to get it. Keep pursuing God. Well, that leads us to our verse for the day. Finally, we get to our verse for the day where this prophecy is yet again fulfilled. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, it says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You saw in that video there was... There was a rumbling, and, and and if you were paying attention, I know that it was a hard video to pay attention to, and we're kind of a, you know, a society now that, like, is very ADD, so it is hard to pay attention to things. If you have little ones, hey, I've got a one-year-old, and, like, it's really hard to pay attention. But in that video, it showed when Jesus was on the cross and he uttered his last cry, you know that There was a curtain that tore, and there was rumblings. And actually, in Matthew, in another account of the same story, it says like this, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks split. And so, okay, you say, I see the the quaking, right? If we go back to Isaiah 64, 1-2, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains might quake at your presence. Well, this is actually what happened when Jesus died on the cross. But what about the rending? Again, I I talked about this word meaning, meaning tearing or revealing. Well, something you need to understand about this curtain that is in the temple. This curtain was a place that separated the holy place from the most holy place. God dwelt in this place called the Holy of Holies. Back in Israel's day, in their tabernacle and temple... Only God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And once a year, through all kinds of religious act and sacrifice and rituals, could one man, a priest, go in there to offer sacrifices for the sin of everyone for that year? And what would happen if any regular person walked through that curtain? They would die. Why? Because being in the presence of God, in His, in His power, in His, in His holiness would just evaporate a person, right? That is part of God's power and who he is. And that is part of why God then is still in the heavens and has to be somewhat veiled to us because we are a sinful people. But God figured out a way around that. He made a plan around that, a most genius way of saving his people by himself coming down as God in the flesh, and to be the sacrifice for our sins. One thing to help you understand this, this curtain, give you a little visual. For inside the tabernacle, this is in the Old Testament, God has told him how to build this thing. Make a special curtain of finely woven linen, decorate it with blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and with skillfully embroidered cherubim. Hang this curtain on gold hooks attached to four posts of acacia wood. Overlay the posts with gold and set them in four silver bases. Hang the inner curtain from class and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. So this is, was the access to God. This was the religious way of coming to God and trying to get your sins forgiven. And it was temporary. But it was the only way at the moment. And, and Jesus then dying on the cross, what that represents is this curtain is getting rid of the old way of coming to God. And now everyone can have access to God. Everyone can come into the Holy of Holies and really experience God. They can have heaven on earth now with the relationship with God. They can have heaven in them now through the Spirit of God coming on people who trust in Jesus. And Hebrews puts it like this. Therefore, brother, this is in the New Testament explaining the Old Testament. Therefore, brother, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus being the sacrifice that day on the cross fulfilled all of the Old Testament scripture, all of those sacrifices of a spotless lamb. Jesus was the sinless man, the lamb who was slain, God in the flesh, who died for the sins of man. He exchanged our sin for his righteousness, and he took care of this problem. Now we don't have to be separated from God anymore. We don't need to go through a priest, a pastor, a pope, or anyone to have access to God anymore, but it is through Jesus Christ. And if you zero in on this really quick, I want you to see something here. It says, he opened through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. When Jesus' body was broken and torn open and blood was spilt... Jesus' body was the curtain, representing the curtain. And now, because his body was broken and his blood was shed, we can now have access to God. It takes away the old religious way of coming to the Lord. Now, regular, everyday people like you and me can be in the presence of God. Now, not fully this side of heaven, but yet God rent the heavens and came down through the person of Jesus Christ. And so many people don't understand this. So many people are spiritually blind out there. I hope today that this gives you a little bit more information of why did God have to do it this way? What was he up to? What does this book say? Well, what this represents is Although Jesus came down and he is the perfect example of love and humility and being a servant leader and all of these different things, this ultimately is the greatest act of love that God could do, that he would sacrifice his one and only son so that you and I could be forgiven. And it is by trusting in Jesus alone, not by works that you add to it, not by becoming religious, not by... Your deeds. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah later in 64, verses are somewhere around 5 and 6, it says, your, your, your deeds, your righteous deeds are like dirty rags to me. Why? Because we can never do anything to become worthy or righteous enough. And that's where we have to accept that God did all the work for us in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate savior. He rent the heavens and come down. And so my question remains the same. Who is Jesus to you? Who do you believe Jesus is? What are you hoping from him? It's amazing after the, after the mountains quaked and the, tur- the, the curtain torn two. there was a Roman soldier standing there who had just crucified him. And after seeing this, here's what he says. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. That is my prayer for all of us. This guy wasn't even a guy from the nation of Israel. He's a Gentile like you and me. We're not born of Jewish descent. But yet he gets it. Even after his disciples didn't get it. But you know what? God is patient for now. For now, he's reserving that wrath, the fire that will come with them for another day. As a matter of fact, all the wrath that he had stored up for sin in you and me, he poured out on his son that day on the cross. But one day, sin will be dealt with. But for now, trusting in Jesus... Brings us new life. And we have that hope because today is Resurrection Sunday. He, he didn't just remain on that cross. He was buried and then rose the third day. This is the last verse I'll share with you today. Mark 16, 5-7. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. I love this part. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, the guy who got it wrong, the guy who rebuked Jesus. That reminds me of myself. Maybe you can see yourself in Peter as well. I've had it wrong for a long portion of my life. Didn't understand who Jesus is. Went my own way. Wanted something else from God other than what he gave me. But when I finally understood. When I finally understood that Jesus came and died for my sin. That I had committed against God in my life. And he did that out of love for me. When I started getting that. When I understood that. All of the struggle that I had in my life. Like started going away. Like the addictions that I struggled with. I started understanding like this life is not not about me and my pleasure and, and, and for me. It was for Lo- the Lord now. If he had sacrificed his life for me, I ought to start following him and really get to know who is this Jesus? He's the son of God. So I pray you'd leave here today proclaiming the same thing. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today so thankful in worship. We we offer today up to you. Lord, we can bring nothing. We have nothing to offer and nothing to give. My works aren't worthy. I can't do enough. I can't do more good than I do bad. So I come just relying on Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. Thank God. He rose from the dead, showing and proving that he was God, that he defeated sin, and that he defeated death. And one day we have a promise that even though we die in this life and we struggle in this life, we have eternal life to look forward to and we will be resurrected with him one day as well. But Lord, there are so many who don't know you still. Father, I pray that you would rend the heavens and reveal yourself to them. Through the Spirit, God. Help them understand these words, the gospel, the good news. Help them to trust in Jesus and see him for who he truly is. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.